Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour sits down with Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial. Sean regularly joins the program to provide an update and insights into what's happening in the commodity markets. Before we head over to Casey and Sean, I wanted to thank our sponsor, AgriSolutions. AgriSolutions is the market leader in wearable parts, components, accessories, and solutions for tillage, seeding, planting, fertilizing, hardware, and inventory management solutions. Improve performance and durability with a wide range of infield and extended life solutions. To learn more about AgriSolutions and their globally recognized brands such as Bolota and Ingersoll Tillage and Trinity Logistics, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Sean discussing what's happening in the commodity markets around the world. Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing great, Casey. Doing really good. Really I'm good. I'm breathless with you being on here today, dude. I can't <laughs> can't catch my breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I heard there's a new uh, strain of the virus and it comes through on Zoom. Is that right? Okay, well, I'm, yeah. I, I probably have that then. It's it's the Zoomicon. So yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll look forward to getting my my COVID test to see if that works or not. <laughs> All right. Well, a lot of crazy stuff overnight uh, yesterday, especially. You know, you've, we've talked about volatility here on uh, for, since this uh, Ukraine Russia thing happened and. I mean, I tell you what, yesterday was no lack of volatility, especially when we started looking at hard red winter wheat. I think by my just brief looking at what happened and kind of seeing my alerts, there's about a about a 75 cent swing, I think, from from the low to the high yesterday, just all over the place. And, and like we talked about when we, got, when we got started here, that every little news item popping up is, is driving those prices around. Yeah, I mean, the history is that when you get these shocks, uh, stories or these events like this, they tend to place a top for a while, meaning you pump up the bullish sentiment so extreme. We're not going to have any supply to Ukraine. It's never, they're, they're never going to grow anymore. We ever again, you know what I mean? Right. We, we trade yeah. that sentiment. I, I don't know what the long-term implications are, by the way. I'm just saying that when you trade that fear, Casey, put a top in for a while. I mean, you can look on a map over the years of tops and bottoms, and they tend to be event-driven. The virus in 2020, printing the low in commodities and a lot of ag markets. So it just seems to me that this kind of gyration, you know, wheat prices are very, very high right now. No one knows how this is going to turn out, but most likely it's going to turn out better than the Armageddon-ish fear that was originally traded in the wheat market at least it, it's going to appear to get better for a little while. And that means that I just, I think in general, grains are going to be under correction here into April. We have a planning attention report coming out. Cannot imagine they're not going to say we're going to plant more acres of just about everything. So, um, you know, uh, South American weather has been bearish all along. I mean, the market is, is ignored. The good rains in Argentina, they ignored the good growing conditions in Mato Grasso for second crop corn. But now all of a sudden I'm starting to hear people talking about, boy, you know, the weather's been pretty good down there. So once again, it's just really hard to see how we're not gonna have a correction here in grain markets heading into April. By the way, a traditional time to be bearish. Right. You know, oh, you know, we have a record crop. It's gonna be the biggest crop we've ever had uh, of all time. You know, we always start the season optimistically that you know, we're just going to you know have the best crop ever. And maybe we will this year. I'm just saying 
that you, know, you look at crude oil, 130 down to 95. Right. You know, it, it's just the market is having a post-Russian invasion hangover. And quite frankly, we're in a kind of a mini crash in commodities right now. Right. Across the board today, it's red everywhere. Right. So just be careful. You know, if you're a farmer and you haven't sold yet, why not? Why haven't you made some sales yet? What are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this, you know, I, I think at least the last couple of programs on your show. What are you waiting for? Don't take risk with cash on the farm. Take risk with on paper. That has been a big policy shift for us in that, you know, sure. Can we have $10 corn if we have a weather problem? Can we have $12 corn? We could, but I'd rather speculate on that on paper, not my cash grain at this point. Right. That's a good point. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of opportunities for folks to sell uh, some almost eight dollar wheat, and a lot of depending on what basis contract looks like and those kind of things. There's some real opportunities there for guys to get really close to that eight dollar mark on corn. You know, you're looking at eleven and a half. You know, to eleven dollars for sure on, on wheat and those kind of things. So it's just there were some really, really, really good opportunities to be very profitable. So it kind of goes back to that that marketing plan and what, what you're doing there. So. As you take a look at what's going on, so you hit on Brazil right now. So Brazil, it really had a good bounce back from where it was when you start looking at, you know, moisture and those kind of things. They're off to a good start for the second crop corn and what that looks like. So I guess your thoughts there leading into our planting season. We put a podcast out yesterday for our subscribers, Casey, and we went over why we think we're going to have a better finish for South America than last year. Most of the consensus are saying droughts going to continue there because La Nina is still there and they're just repeating what happened last year, but no two years are the same. This is a second year La Nina that is rapidly dissipating. What we highlighted yesterday is that the Eastern Central Pacific sea surface temperatures have warmed dramatically. In fact, we're almost in El Nino territory in the Eastern Central Pacific. La Ninas don't die from the center. They die from the East warming going West. And so this dramatic, dramatic change in the eastern central Pacific sea surface temperatures is telling you that La Nina is on thin ice, that it's rapidly depleting, that it's going to rapidly go away. The solar cycle already tells us it can't last past spring. And that actually, is, while it's still in place, while we still have cooler than normal sea surface temperatures in the central Pacific, it's a La Nina modicine now. And La Nina modicine now changes the La Nina impact to South America, where now you're having what they call a double-barreled walker cycle, where the cold air sinks in the center, and then the cold air goes to the west and to the east, pumping moisture. Now, providing more weather or rain chances into the South America, and it's actually gonna provide more moisture potential for the US as well. And so that is, is, is something that is a big change and, and we're not going to see this repeat drought cycle like we had been predicting last year, this year. We don't think this is the year uh, that that's going to emulate that. In fact, we actually think we're going to have a strong finish. Um, and, and that's going to continue to put some pressure on grain markets as, you know, we, we price such a bullish trade on the historic drought in southern Brazil and the soybeans. Um, and we were trading what we thought was going to be an historic drought in Argentina. And it looks to us like Argentina is going to be much better than that. And 
we're going to have a very good second crop, corn crop, especially from last year. So all of these factors have been ignored. But the more we move away from the Russian invasion, the more that ultimately weather trumps all else. So yep. one of the things I've been paying attention to um, quite a bit here is is how what China's been doing this whole time frame. And they're, they're really playing both sides, if you really look at it. I mean, Russia's reaching out to them for, for help uh, economically and militarily for the Ukraine thing. And then, you know, we're sitting talking with them as well. Um, I guess as you look at that, what's your what's your reaction to that? I don't think China trusts us. I don't think China trusts Russia. I don't think we trust China. I don't think Russia trusts us. I don't think Russia trusts China. Okay, but I would do what I do think is we don't want to be an aggressor in Ukraine because we believe I think we believe that Putin is going to fire nuclear weapons. We, I think that the U.S. is convinced he will do that if we do something aggressive. We don't want that. All right. We'll get back to Casey and Sean in a moment, but first I wanted to pause to thank our sponsor, AgriSolutions. To learn more, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. Now back to Casey and Sean as they continue their discussion and shift their focus a little to China. So, and I believe that the Chinese believe that they can't get from Russia all the food that they need and I don't think they can get all the oil that they need, energy that they need. Mm-hmm. They need us and other players to be involved. And so I think it's in their best interest to be as friendly as possible with Russia and as friendly as possible with us to keep the flow of supplies going to them, but not be so friendly that you alienate the other against the other. Right. It's really a heck of a chess match. I view it as, you know, that... That uh, what's that movie Reservoir Dogs? If anyone oh, sees yeah. that movie, where you yeah. have everyone has a gun pointed at each other, right? And you know, and, and all it takes is one person to, you know, and I think that's where we're at. As long as everyone is loaded but hasn't pulled the trigger, we're all going to try to work together. We just hope someone doesn't pull that trigger and, and begin a cascade of events. Yeah, this is this is what we're dealing with, and I think um, China it plays right now. China, we. I think we're viewing China as, look, right now, we're trying to also avoid China going into Taiwan, right? We, right. We, we, we just, I don't think the United States is prepared for a major military conflict at this moment in time. I think we don't, you know, we just pulled out of Afghanistan. The country's will to, for a war is not in place. We've had a lot of problems with our military, with these vaccine mandates and losing a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or indifferent. I'm just saying there's been a lot of issues. We've, our, our military, in my view, has, has been weakened considerably due to the virus and everything else. And as such, I just don't think right now that we are up for And by the way, we just spent $10 trillion. The country's right. just spent $10 trillion to try to get ourselves out of this COVID mess that we got ourselves into in terms of the lockdowns and everything else. So a war is very expensive, very expensive. If you're going to go into a full-blown on-the-ground war and tanks and guns and bombs, I mean, you know, I don't think the appetite is there in an election year to spend trillion more dollars on a war. So, yeah. so, so when I look at all this, and I'm, by the way, I'm, this is just me thinking 
as anyone would think, and you have your own thoughts, but I'm not thinking, I just think, I don't think we will have any interest in trying to escalate this to a war, which I think we're trying to do everything we can to not do it. Right. Um, and so that's why China is playing a role, because I think we feel they are friendlier <laughs> to Russia than we are. Maybe they can work out some truce where we take our fingers off the gun barrel for a little while, a ceasefire, whatever you want to call it, but some impasse that kicks the can down the road until, you know, maybe we can figure out how to move forward from this. But right now, we're trying to de-escalate emotions, which have been running high, yeah, as you know. They absolutely have been. And it's interesting to watch the articles. And, you know, you read these articles on all these different things and you don't know. You can't really make hide, hide or hair of, of what's being said there because you don't know the influence behind it. But if China wanted to be a uh, an influencer in the world, they're they're getting their opportunity right now. All right, let's jump down and talk about what's going on over in the uh, protein complex. If you take a look at what's happening with uh, pork, um, looks like the USDA has just uh, approved faster line speeds at three different plants. So that's going to help get more stuff pushed through. Your thoughts there and how that's going to affect the overall hog market. Remember, do you hear anything more about the virus? No, I haven't. Have you heard Fossey speak lately? No, I have not. No. So somehow the narrative has now changed from the virus is the number one issue that we need to take to take care of to now the Ukraine war is. And so now things that should have been done maybe earlier than this in terms of opening up our logistical system, doing some things like you just said, speeding up production lines and such are now starting to happen. It's a positive thing. Um, it's, it's too bad it took a Russian altercation to allow for that to happen, but I do think we're gonna start making some changes in how we go about things, because we do need to get our act together, as you I'm sure are aware of, Casey, in terms of our uh, logistical food delivery system and uh, allow for a more efficient system to start to reinvigorate again. Um, and so, uh, right now, the livestock sector is involved in a, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What's worse, demand destruction potential that everyone's worried about or the lack of supply that everyone's worried about? So it's a, it's a true battle between supply and demand. Right now, the market has been more worried about demand problems, and that's why they've been hitting the hog market and hitting the cattle market, although cattle had a very strong rally yesterday on some uh, for the first time in a while. Um, we believe, I believe, ultimately, the supply constraint issues, Casey, will outweigh the demand destructive worries in the end. And that means I believe we're going to have higher cattle and hog prices as we move into the summer to the fall. Ultimately, I believe that will win out. But it's going to be a little bit of a battle here over the spring until we kind of alleviate some of these demand side fears. We have a Fed meeting coming out tomorrow. Everyone is speculating. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? You know, a lot of fear out there. Um, but I do believe ultimately the, the the animal prices are going to move higher. Right. Okay. Right on. Yeah, that's that's you're seeing that right now too, especially with the price of oil coming down. You know, you saw some reaction the other day. Uh, well, the last couple of days in um, in in the beef uh, marketplace. Talk about that a little bit. We see happening there. Well, look, energy impacts everybody. Right. Everybody. Everybody is impacted by energy prices in such way, such, you know, some shape, way, or form. So when you jack up energy prices to the extent that we did in a very short period of time, 
um, you know, that's a shock. Let's call it demand shock, or, you know, to the system, a price shock. Um, and when you do the same thing to a wheat price, which is, you know, one of the top two ag food items in the world that are consumed by people to feed their families and survive, it is a pullback factor. It takes everyone to reassess their budgets and say, we're going we're gonna to take that budget and we're going to bring it down. We're going we're gonna to buy less clothes. We're going to not go on vacation this year. We're not going to go on that drive across the country we were expecting to do. But we are going to feed our families, right? We mm-hmm. are going to find a way to, to keep that budget available for the food that we can afford. And beef is a high-priced item. It doesn't mean they won't eat it. Uh, but they'll eat less of the higher-end stuff, and they'll eat more of the, of the hamburger stuff that's cheaper. But, you know, definitely, you know, they were going to go out to the steakhouse maybe a little bit less. So, so all that is what the fear part of it, Casey, is all about and why when you looked at the energy price take off, the cattle price just crashed. And then all of a sudden we get this crash in the energy price and now we had this almost limit update yesterday in the cattle market. So yeah, it's very, very important. And the hog market, not as important, meaning the pork price is not as high priced item. It still matters, just not as much, but even that, has been impacted and, and gone through somewhat of a rope-a-dope based upon the worry that people were going to withdraw from eating as much meat protein. So, yeah, I mean, energy prices are very important. I hope they stay down under 100. I think under 100, we can make things work. You get up to 130, 150, 200 that many were talking about. I mean, that's just, that's not going to work. Right. It's not going to work. Yep. All right, Sean. Hey, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have a lot of information on there about our weather algorithm, our smart money algorithm, how we go about forecasting markets to see if what we do might you know, be a value to your listeners. Right on. Well, Sean, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. It's a crazy time to be uh, talking ag, but... Uh, I think we're going to be busy all year long uh, trying to figure out exactly how this is all going to play out. Yep, I agree. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, I have a LinkedIn page as well, so check that out. Uh, go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related. You can find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast, all the blogs I've written, as well as all the information for the upcoming Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. That is September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you want some more information about that, uh, send me an email at movingiron.summit at movingironllc.com. Send that to me, and I will get you more information or you just uh, peruse all the speakers and whatnot that are on the website there. Sean's going to be there. He's going to be talking about uh, some cool stuff when it comes to switching from La Nina to El Nino and what that looks like. So that'll be a, that'll be a good talk, Sean. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. It's a big change in the weather. We're also going to be talking about uh, a dramatic cooling in the North Atlantic, which hasn't happened since 1962, um, which also is going to be a very different weather scenario pattern when meshed with the El Nino that's coming. And so a lot of changes going to be happening in, uh, in, in kind of a weather pattern, you know, that we really haven't seen in a very long time. And it's going to mean, uh, you know, those that come to your, to your, uh, you know, to your uh, gathering, it's, it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, uh, look at this new weather pattern, what it might mean for agriculture production going forward, not only here, but also out in Europe and Asia. Right on. That's uh, well, going to be interesting talk. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go smart, folks. 
Thanks, Casey and Sean, and thanks to Agri Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Chip, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.